Welcome to the Clobbercast, proudly presented to you from Clobbercalm, all the way from Sheffield, England. Ben, Glenn, take it away. Clobbercast. Hello. Hey, Glenn. How are we doing, guys? How are you? I'm in. I'm, I'm excited. Are you... Absolutely not bad. Absolutely not bad. I'm actually, I'm really excited because we have got the mother of all weekends happening. Imminently. Imminently. So when people are listening, they'll, you know, it's one of them where it's kind of like... It will, it could have happened. Yeah, because it's a snapshot in time, so which always confuses me, but let's be honest, tonight... Tonight we've got a Trickers event at Clobbercam. Yeah, an evening with Trickers. Uh, evening with Trickers, and then tomorrow we have the CCSC Rally Social. Denim uh, bikes, boots and boots. Yes, um, so that's going to be mint. Um, and then we've got this podcast as well, which is going out, so it kind of feels like a proper epic weekend. Yeah, well, it's going out. Um, so uh, that's more. We'll, we'll we'll touch on what's going off at you know because of N and all that sort of stuff, which people already know. Uh, people will see that documented on Instagram as well. Loads of photos, loads of videos going to be kicking around as well, which is great. Um, but what is going on on this podcast, mate? Uh, tonight we are talking to Dawson Denny. Which is Kelly and Scott, husband, okay. and, husband and wife, based down in Brighton. Brilliant. I've not spoken to these yet, and I'm relatively. I, I've seen Dawson Denim. Um, You've seen it in store. I've seen it in store. First thing that I did see was the apron. Yes. Uh, well, beautiful. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Uh, that is how they started with mm. the aprons. Uh, since then, they've gone on to create many a jean and jacket, mm-hmm. uh, smocks. They have a brilliant website over at www.dawsondenim.com cool. uh, where you can check out everything they do. And on www.clobbercam.com, yep. we do sell, we do offer certain lines, which is um, mm-hmm. a pleasure. But Kelly's been in the industry, I'm not sure if Amy Leverton mentioned her when we had her podcast. Not sure, but they have worked together in the past. Kelly's kind of been, she's started back in day. She's created denim departments. She's been around mills. She's got contacts all over the world. We'll now, ask about that. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and now her and Scott have got this brand Dawson Denim, which is uh, it basically makes premium denim items. They use all the best fabrics, all the best techniques. And they're just a small team, and they're just doing what they can, you know. Like, and they and they really enjoy it, and they're really passionate about it, and they've got like a cult following. Mm-hmm. I'm not know if it's cult in Japan because I know they sell a lot out there. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely cult, you know, in our circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it'd be really interested to get into the psyche behind what makes Dawson Denim drive. I think. Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, I know that Clubacam uh, Cal is a big, big fan. Yeah, Clobbercam Cal likes it. I mean, he looks. It's funny because he's a designer. He kind of looks at it from that aspect as well. He really likes the aesthetics of the website and the logo and everything. Uh, he just picked up a new jacket. Yeah, he, he did. He picked up the. Uh, he picked up the 
char jacket. Char. Uh, the in uh, black. In black. Really, yeah, yeah. really nice. It looks good on him. And it's interesting that not many people just say, yeah, in black, do they? No, there's not always, really, to be honest. <laughs> there's always kind of like words, isn't there? Like, yeah. What what same ones where there's like, there's other brands that, from over the pond where they're like, they didn't just say, yeah, that's black. Oh, black, yeah, it's like shadow. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, sleuth and yeah, stuff yeah, like that yeah, stealth yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, really cool and all that yeah, yeah. Uh, no yeah Dawson Denim well they're from the UK it's just black in it yeah well yeah it's black it is you know, yeah it's cool. a really nice black jacket uh, I should be on my way down to Brighton soon so um, really yeah yeah why yeah. is that uh, just work just work you know I travel a fair bit I've uh, but we have, we, we have got an office down there as well. Right, okay. Uh, so that's kind of our southern office. I actually know that, so I should have guessed. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, popping in there, really. So um, Are you going to go and see Kelly and Scott? Fingers crossed, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I say I go to nice places um, like Brighton, and, you know, I've been travelling a fair <laughs> bit, as you know, I've been to Hamburg and um, Belfast. I've been out and about a bit. Um, I don't generally get to see a load of like nice places. I have a lot of free time. I yeah. generally see like you drive to a warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> I have a meeting. And uh, then you drive back. Yeah, I do see a lot of service stations. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I do see the. Um, you know, McDonald's menu off by art by number. Well, I'll have a number fourteen, please. Well, I only like fourteen and fifteen, which is mozzarella <laughs> dippers um, and a veggie burger. Yeah, oh, there you go then. That was a good guess. So, yeah, so that's easy. But yeah. Um, but cool. Um, you know loads more about Dawson mm-hmm. than than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is going to be a bit of a seminar for me. Yeah. Um, which completely prepared for and ready to ready to rumble on. Yeah. Uh, which is which is cool. Um, I feel like we owe him a lot of time. Um, again, because well, well, there'll be a proper story. Yeah, and that's what we like to do. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's people behind the story as well, and getting into the bones of that as well, which is which is meant. So, mm-hmm. um, um, are we ready to give him a call? Uh, yeah, ben? we are. I've just texted Kelly, and she two minutes ago she said, "Give us two minutes." <laughs> <laughs> she uh, so I, I'm, I believe that we're probably ready, mate. Let's Sweet. do it. Brilliant. Let's get into it. Happy days. I'm just finding the number in the phone. Let me have a look. Kelly, 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 she's here. Let's call. Make sure you're talking directly. Yeah? Wow, that didn't even ring. How you doing, Kelly? I'm <laughs> okay. Good, good. Right, just give us one, one sec. We are just going to make sure we can hear everything if you could just sing us a song please for a minute <laughs> <laughs> i'm only joking you really don't want to hear me singing yeah. it think... is not a strength yeah <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh as sings kill all right can you hear can you hear i can hear you yeah can you hear me yeah, yeah. good i was just saying how sings is everything all right yeah, yeah. very good it's very good, good, oh, good. Super busy. so we're trying we... to take the day off I know, I know, I know. You've got a train to catch, aren't you? At half past ten, so we'll uh, we'll be as efficient as possible for you. No, don't worry. We we very rarely get a day off, as you know, being self-employed. Yes, of course. So uh, yeah. Are you, doing, are, you doing, are you doing anything nice? We're just going to go up to London. 
Um, Hogan's Catch, there's this uh, Wes Anderson exhibition on at the Strand. Yes, there is. So I'm hoping to catch that, but I think it might be a bit manic. Yeah, a couple of my uh, staff members are on about going down this weekend yeah. to do it. Uh, I don't know if they decided to or not, to be honest with you. They were thinking the exact yeah. same thing. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it's also it's kids' free. holidays. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And, and, and weather's quite nice as well, isn't it? It's not like rubbish. Considering. How are you anyway? You all right? Yeah, good, thank you, Kelly. Good. Uh, just uh, up early. Shop, shop's really good. Shop's fine. Uh, you know, it's like all else, Kelly. There's no rest for wicked. It's fine while ever you put in a million hours a week into it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it fine. If 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 you if you lay back yeah. for a second, all of a sudden stuff ain't fine. Oh <laughs> uh, God. But, Tell me about that. We've got a good support network, haven't we, around us all in this uh, little denim community, so we'll battle through and we'll get there, I think. Yeah. So, anyways, tell us, uh, we've got you, we've got Scott, uh, well, I'm going to say, we usually start with, where are you right now? Uh, currently at home, mm-hmm. uh, in the, well, sat at the table. So, are you recording this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 no no warning today, just straight in. We just went straight in. Boom! <laughs> I knew we could get away with, it with you guys, so it weren't too much of a worry. We just did levels while we were talking. Just, oh, we'll just do oh, levels while it's live. It'll be all right. We're in the front room at the moment. Ah, yeah. Sitting around the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not at the workshop today. We're doing this, so, yeah. Good stuff, cool. good stuff. Well, I'll... Uh, what I'm going to do is... We've got a lot of... In, we've been looking at analytics for the podcast and we've got like such a big spread of listeners from all over the world, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, so what I thought it might be, you know, it's, it's a bit of a typical question, but I'm actually interested myself, is to know uh, how Dawson Denim came about. And the reason I said that is because I know that you have done it for years and years, Kelly, in particular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know that you've, worked with certain people we've spoke to before on podcast and stuff like that so yeah. what worry what was your education into denim into sort of like i don't know if it were a job in fashion or a job in denim into yeah. you having dawson denim sort of like what were that what were those steps so many moons ago almost 20 maybe 21 years ago um <laughs> I did a degree at Leeds College of Art and Design. Ah, Leeds. Called, yeah. Yeah. I was there for four years. I did an HND and then I did a degree. Yeah. Um, and it was called uh, Fashion Design and Garment Technology. Right. So it was really heavy on the technical side of making garments. Yeah. My final collection, I used like denim and chambray. Yeah. Uh, so I came home after getting the degree and my brother bet me a pint that I couldn't get a job in a week. Right, okay. So I wrote my CV, I sent it off and I had a job by the Friday. Really? I never did get that pint. I'm going to say you had a job <laughs> and a pint by Friday should have been oh, the... Uh... <laughs> quite and uh, so I moved down to London and I started working in a buying office. Yeah. 
Um, so my first job was as, as a kind of buyer's admin assistant, which is pretty much just putting stuff on computers. Uh, computers. It was boring as hell. Yeah. And I thought if I work really, really hard, I could get promoted really quickly. Yeah. And I did. So I got promoted within probably about three months. Yeah. Um, and then I started buying on a denim department. Ah, what company was that for? Can you tell us? Oh, it's, it's long gone now. It ah. was on Oxford Street. But, um, you started um, buying? Yeah, so I did that for a good, like, four or five years. I stayed there and became a senior buyer. Yeah. Um, but I just really missed designing. Yeah. It, so, all, it all starts becoming about paperwork and numbers, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really amazing to have that skill. Yeah. To know how to manage stock, yeah. what to buy, how to forecast, yeah. look at trends and stuff like that. All of that is brilliant. And, you know, it's stuff that I wouldn't have learned at uni. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just missed the actual physical touching of garments and putting stuff together. Yeah. A friend of mine said, oh, there's a job coming up at this um, supplier. And yeah. <laughs> so I went and worked for them, but they didn't have a denim department. <laughs> right. So I had to set them up. And I think within the first year, we turned over about two million. Really? Um, yeah. And we sold to everyone on the high street. I mean, our factories were all based in Hong Kong and China. Yeah. Um, there was one in India that we worked with as well. Um, so that was kind of my sort of first steps into becoming a denim designer and then obviously after that I worked for various other brands lived in Istanbul for a year uh traveled a lot to Hong Kong and all over the world really yeah, basically soaked uh, up the industry yeah and I've just been really lucky because I've done all sorts from physically designing weaves of denim mm-hmm. <laughs> to washes and working with laundries and you know there really isn't an aspect that I haven't done from the ground up if you know what I mean yeah 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 of course I do so basically you're uh, as, as one of my customers told me in the shop last week you're the real deal well yeah I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And so I'm guessing after all that experience, at some point you said, you know what, I'm going to do this for myself. Well, yeah, I mean, my last job, I was um, really at the highest level I could possibly be. Um, They called it a product manager, but basically I had a team of like five people and um, we had a lovely little department. Yeah. But you reach a bit of, they call it a glass ceiling. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But you point in your career where you really can't go any further working for other people yeah and getting a bit fed up and sort of despondent about fast fashion and sort of fashion in general really yeah um and i don't know i just got a bit fed up and i came home one day and said scott i'm a bit sick of this i think i want to leave yeah and he went Let's open a coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I want a coffee shop, actually. Anyway, yeah. 
<laughs> so, we, we had, we'd be rich by now. Yeah, yeah. Profit margin on coffee is ridiculous. It's like four hundred percent or something. More shops per capita in Brighton than anywhere else in Europe. Oh bloody hell! There you go. That's, there you go. Fact. They, they, yeah, they do. They call it the coffee capital of Europe, Brighton. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, it wasn't the greatest idea. But, uh, <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> Definitely. So, so Scott, what's uh, what's your role within um, within the business? Within the business, yeah. um, it's pretty much a little bit of everything. Okay. Uh, there's we've now just taken on a. Um, a part-time machinist and she's magnificent but before then uh there was just the two of us doing pretty much every role going uh, that's from designing the graphics designing the website doing the social media okay, to yeah. um sourcing the fabrics i do the cutting of the patterns and the uh, drawing of the patterns by chalk cutting them out by hand with a pair of shears um great Sewing, um, important. Bar tacking, uh, putting on trims using an old ratchet machine, Jeez. a ratchet press, uh, boxing up, pressing, folding garments, sending out, doing a post office run. Pretty Everything much. then. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We don't, the only thing we don't do is we don't make the fabric. We um, source that from Japan. So, yes, uh, of course, yeah. I was going to ask you about that question, Scott. I was going to say how how do you uh, how do you approach sourcing your fabrics? What what sort of things are important to Dawson Denim when sourcing well, that was, fabrics? That was really important to us. First of all, um, we came about with this this business of making clothes that I'd want to wear. Basically, it's quite self indulgent. Yeah. I should say clothes that we want to wear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it has, I think it has to be though, doesn't it? Because I think that's well, no, that's, not really, well, not really. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people make things to fit the market trends. Uh, we don't necessarily do that. I'm at a certain age. I'm I'm in my forties, and I know what I like and I know what I want, but I couldn't find it on the open market. Okay. And with Kelly's abilities and skills. And we've managed to source the equipment. We'll get on to that in a, in a bit. But we wanted to make clobber that I'd want to wear, basically. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. And did, um, what so it's a very indulgent project. It's yeah. a very expensive wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, as as I, I think that's goes, part of the selling point, though, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of, like, you can feel that there's... It, it's not made for, as you say, like the mass market, which gives it that niche, which gives it that U, USP, which makes yeah, it we, that bit more we special. Follow, we don't follow seasons, so therefore we don't have to abide by trends. Yes, uh, funny enough, someone inquired the other day with a, uh, a magazine of some sort, asked us about the wide leg jeans, and if we were following that trend, it's like, no, we've been making those for three years, but we just <laughs> don't follow trends. We, we just, you know, they're either in or they're out. It doesn't matter to us. We just make clothes that we want to wear. So uh, yeah. that's the kind of what we stick to. But mm-hmm. as far as the sourcing the denim goes, um, that was number one priority. It's got to be Japanese denim. Yeah. Fortunately, Kelly pulled in uh, a few favours from Mills that she'd been working with in the business for over, I don't know, 15, 16 years. Yes. Um, contacts that she knew because it's very, very difficult with Japanese meals just to ping off an email yes. saying, I 
X amount and getting a reply. Um, yeah. In fact, you probably do it if you order hundreds and hundreds of meters of fabric yeah. um, if you're a big operation. But being a small maker, it's very expensive to do it that way. Yeah. Um, and you have to take the risk as well on, on the fabric selling. But Kelly pulled in a few favors. But in order to get the fabric, we had to go out there and meet the people. Yeah. And then they spend a day or so with you. They take you out for a meal. You then meet them personally. You meet all the, all the uh, weavers personally. Yeah. You then they go through the history of the families because most of the Japanese meals are in their fourth or fifth generation. Cool. They've been going since 1890, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and only then do they sort of decide whether they want to work with you or not. You can't just force them to work with you. Yeah. Um, very, it's good. It's nice that they're like that. Business is all based on respect. Yeah. And, and they, you know, we're so lucky to work with the mills that we work with and the way that they support us. Um, because, you know, we are, a, we are still quite a fledgling company. You know, we haven't been around as long as others. Yeah. And, and we're not as big as others. We're not placing 10,000 meters of fabric, but we will get there. And yeah. they, they know that. So they work with us in partnership. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they help. Yeah, they basically it's a team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They're just important to the business as me and Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I completely understand that. It's uh, there's no I in team. Everybody pulls together yeah. and for the greater yeah. good, and that's when you start making magical things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very expensive way of doing it, sourcing Japanese fabric, because obviously there are cheaper ways of getting fabric over here. Yeah. Um, but we just wanted the best. Yeah. Um, and it comes at a cost, yeah. uh, and we have to kind of convey that to our customer. We have to explain the quality of the fabrics, um, because people that aren't used to buying Japanese denim or any quality denim really needs to have it kind of explained. Otherwise, they just think that you're putting a, a higher price point on mm -hmm. the garment that they could get yeah. at top somewhere exactly. like that. Well, that that's... I think. It a great example of that is, um, Ben, you know that hank dyed sack jacket that you just got in the Supply Co? Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, the black or the blue one, or both even. The blue, yeah, the blue one. Um, yeah. That denim was made available to us, so really we shouldn't have been allowed to buy that. Right. But we loved it. And the, the beauty of that fabric is it's an exact replica of a 1930s denim. Is it? And it's... Yeah, it's hank dyed, which means that it's dyed in much smaller sort of skeins of yarn. Yes. But the process of making it is really slow and laborious. Yeah. But we sort of begged Mr. Kawaii to uh, sell it to us. And he was like, <laughs> well, if you love it that much, then you'll do a great job with it. So, yeah, he sold us a couple of rolls of that. But, um, how so how big's a roll, if you don't mind me asking? It depends on the fabric. Um, okay. Generally, fifty to a hundred meters. Oh, that's pretty good then. That's quite substantial. Yeah. Mm. The funny thing is, it's pretty much calls back to Newcastle for our business because a lot of our, most of our business, goes back to uh, Japan. Now we're so, going to say that. Where's the? Uh, where's where? Well, I were actually going to ask about your heritage influence, but I think that comes from the clothes that you want to wear. So we've <laughs> we've ticked that one off. Uh, and then I was going to say, where do you find uh, Dawson Denim is 
thriving the most at the moment? Where do you seem to ship a lot of your product to? What's the bread and butter to the Dawson Denning brand, I suppose, when it comes to customers and sales? Um, Wholesale-wise, we don't do too much wholesale because we want to kind of keep it yeah. uh, smaller. Yeah, basically, we want to pick and choose our, our shops that we're in. Yes, and of course. Few and far between, we've, we've really good shops that we'd rather be in. Yeah. But um, Japan is our mainstay for uh, wholesale. Um, yeah, completely Japan, really. Um, we've got a few shops in the UK that have us, uh, yeah. obviously you. Yeah. Um, a few in Europe, but we're, we're pretty fussy about who we have it in. Um, we do get asked quite a lot to have to stock our, our gear, but um, we kindly refuse it a lot of the time. Um, yeah. the, but apart from that, Instagram's been a wonder for us. Um, that's really worked for us. And just judging from our sales on the website, it's across the board around the world. Um, The US sales have picked up in the last year or so. I guess that's because the pound's weak. We ship a lot to US, Scott, on our internet. Yeah, loads. It's uh, surprising. Now we do. That's really picked up in the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Germany quite a bit. Um, Scandinavia this week. Funny enough, never any in Korea. Never. Uh, it's, it's the one market we haven't managed to tap into. Oh, that's strange, isn't it? I don't know if you do well in Korea. Do you do well? Odd parcels, not a lot. Not not that I'd actually. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't like note it as a place if you know it's what I mean. Both market. Um, yeah. But we really haven't tapped into that. Um, we get a lot of Korean and Chinese Instagram people following us, but we don't get sales from that. Yeah. Uh, Apart from that, Australia, quite a few people. Um, a lot of northerners, you know. You must have so much disposable income up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we only pay £2 for a pint of lager. We can spend the rest on denim. Because <laughs> a, a four-bedroom now has cost 130 grand up here. For 200 quid by the age of 25, haven't you? That's the difference. Yeah. Let, <laughs> let me tell you this for a story, going off piece slightly, guys. I bought my first house four years ago. And it were brand new build, off plot, three bedroom semi. I chose all the kitchen, all the carpets, yeah. astroturf driveway, ensuite, ninety nine thousand. <laughs> okay. Honestly, honestly, it's ridiculous. You couldn't even get a one bedroom flat in Brighton. You for can't that. even get a parking space in Chelsea for that. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> you might get a beach hut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but my uh, my business partner is actually based in Storrington. So probably right. not far from you guys, and uh, he can't yeah. believe the 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 cost of living in South Yorkshire yeah. compared to like Sussex. It's just ridiculous, yeah. completely ridiculous. But yeah, what are we do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why everybody's moving up north and then travelling south for work. It's just You're makes sense. Have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? It really it is. is true. The uh, yeah. It's a big difference. I think when that, a lot of people are about, so digressing a bit, but in like sort of Kellam Island where the shop is, which is like a developing part of Sheffield, a lot of people are buying up flats there because of that speed train that's getting built. Uh, sort of like, you know, it gets you to London in an hour or something from Sheffield or whatever it is. That's where you're 
your shop is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot yeah, of people. I know about these things. Yeah, well, that's I've, it. I've, I've got a mate who goes in your shop who says, yeah, he's in the, in the hippest part of town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a good, uh, yeah, well, that's it. Living costs. There mm-hmm. you go. It is. But yeah. j- jumping back onto topic, there was something that we mentioned um, about, like, the education process of um, buying more expensive denim and the stories behind it. Yeah. I think more people now are tapping into that. Um, and I think I'm quite, like, quite a good example of it because literally if you like reverse, what, Ben? Six, six, seven, weeks. We- six seven weeks ago, I, didn't, yeah. I, did a, I had no raw denim. I couldn't understand it. I will buy, uh-huh. buy my jeans off ASOS for 25 quid. Uh, honestly, honestly, that's what I was doing. <laughs> that's why Ben's got me on here because I was kind of like I weren't into it, but I know how to send a podcast out. So <laughs> I, I'm Good his only mate. <laughs> and then um, he was like, y- "You will understand over time. It's just a, it is just a bit of an education process. And once you start buying it, I guarantee you'll not go back to that." And I was like, "No, no." The thought of paying over. 50 quid for a pair of jeans made me feel physically sick. Like, Jesus, yep. I can buy, you know, that's my mortgage paid for <laughs> if I buy a Dawson jacket. Menswear's picked up a huge amount. In fact, it was due to take over uh, revenue of sales in women's wear. I think it did last year. It was so time. That's what they, that's what they say. Yeah. Uh, the but, businessmen say. So that's, that's a huge turnaround. I mean, it's a bit different from when I was at college in 91. When pretty much my fashion and textiles class was all about uh, Vogue and Couture, and I wanted to do menswear, and there was no such thing. There was streetwear, but no one was actually teaching that as a viable yeah. business thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how much has come on since those days. Yeah, We've definitely. done a couple of, um, we call them Dawson Denim Days, where we, we always get emails from people saying, oh, can we come and have a look? And obviously, you can't just open up the workshop for everyone to come or just drop in because it's, it's you, not you, safe. You won't get all done. <laughs> you, you... And also we need to get some work done. Yeah, time. exactly. So once a year we open the doors to the workshop and we invite anyone who wants to come to come down. Now, what we've done in the past is we've done this sort of denim education talk where we spend about half an hour with photos um, and like a, a, a little film and try and explain like the history of denim, the effects of buying cheap um, products um, on the environment, um, how our mills operate and how they have so much respect for the environment. So for example, one of our mills, well, all mills in Japan have to recycle their water. Right. The, um, the government are like, massive into environmental issues yeah and one of them told us they spend ten thousand pounds a month in recycling their water for example wow they have to by law so obviously this reflects in the cost of the denim yes Mm -hmm. the other thing about salvage denim is that it's really narrow yeah so the amount of fabric that you need to make one pair of jeans for example is around three meters whereas if you can you explain about the narrow bit, just for anybody that's not quite sure that's listening? When you say narrow, like what would, how narrow compared to mass-produced denim? So, um, all salvage 
marriage up until the 1970s. Yeah. All, all denim, should I say, up until the 1970s was selvage. Yeah. Selvage is um, a indigo dyed twill fabric. Yeah. Around 78 inches wide. And yeah. on either side of that fabric roll is a little white strip. Now, it might come with red in it, and I think they even go as far as putting lurex in it now. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. um, because they different qualities. Yeah. Um, in the 1970s, um, I think it was Levi's, I'm sure there's a million people out there that will tell me no, it wasn't, but <laughs> they, um, developed a way of weaving on a double-width loom. Okay, yeah. Which basically enabled them to bring out the $25 Levi's 501. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, because they can cut twice the amount of jeans yeah. on the same width of denim. Right. So the problem with wide goods is that it's much harder to control the quality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because so, it's not as tight, is it? It's not as tight, basically, the operation. Right. Yeah. So we use this, um, these, the narrow loom, the salvage denim, yep. because of the quality. Um, we also do a salvage fly, which takes up another foot. 25 centimetres. Yeah, another foot either side for the, for the fly. So, you know, that's there's a lot of, you know, fabric in the middle that doesn't get used, but we always find something to use up that fabric but a lot of other brands don't bother doing that but that's just another little detail that we like to put in because so, our, our jeans are all about the finer detail really yeah of course so basically the selvage fly for anybody that's listening again it's basically uh the selvage runs down the width of the fly of the jean but because the am i right the fabric's 78 inch wide and yeah. you're only actually using an inch of that 78 inch because that's how wide your fly is that's correct, yeah, isn't it? The very yeah, yeah, so the, the, the other 78 inch, effectively, a manufacturer like yourself pays for that, but then you've cut yeah. the selvage off and it's just a square of denim. Like, yes, yeah, exactly. We have to find something to, to use up. Yeah, yeah, of so course. It's not the most economical way, but we will always find things to use the, the waste on. But, yeah, so. yeah, of course. But it's just, I think it's really interesting. We've not really touched on that sort of thing in the podcast before. Uh, I think it's really interesting because the will be, yeah. yeah, there will be a lot of people that didn't even, that would have never even thought about a selvage fly. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and well, that that was the whole thing is, you know, when we sat down and we talked about the product that we were going to make, the way that we made it had to come without compromise. Yeah. So it had to be as beautiful on the inside as it is on the outside. Yeah. We did all, you know, there's no exposed seams. We do felt no, seams. Yeah. Uh, which There's no you don't overlocking. Have, yeah, no overlocking anywhere. Yeah. Everything's uh, crisp, everything's clean, and clean. perfect. So when you turn your jeans inside out, it's still a beautiful garment. You haven't yeah. got the, the zigzaggy stitching. That's what overlocking is. You get on the steam of a t-shirt and things like that. Yeah. Um, There's none of that. Also, we num we name the uh, rivets. My name's on the inside of the rivets. Kelly's name's on the outside. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> we, we spend a silly amount of time and money on the pocket bags, which is just a, a secondary thought for most companies. But you know, we've we've got 
every detail is considered so when we when we start designing a pair of jeans the first thing we look at is obviously the quality of the denim that we're going to use yes that's great the design of the jeans will then come second so we'll then start designing into it yeah it's it's... Um, and then the other thing to sort of mention is the way that we sourced our sewing machines so when i came home that day and told scott that i was sick of my job and wanted to do something else we sort of put our hands down the back of the sofa and tried to figure out how much money we had (laughs) we had a not much (laughs) (laughs) yeah we had we had enough money to buy two sewing machines a ratchet press some trims like the metal hardware that you get so the rivets and the buttons and a roll of and uh we we were like well what are we gonna make because it takes well there's 11 sewing machines in our workshop to make one pair of jeans yeah so we knew that we couldn't start with jeans but, um, That's eleven specific machines, which is why other people generally don't make jeans because it takes special yeah. equipment. Yeah, yeah. 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 People don't realise that really until you go about trying to make a pair of jeans on a standard uh, sewing machine, and it just won't go through the weight of denim. And there, there is specific machines. Yeah. Um, so I've been squirrelling away these little—you'll appreciate this, Ben—vintage workwear aprons from yes. like the nineties. 90- these, you know, the ones with like the printed logos on the front, and yeah, <laughs> I know the ones. <laughs> yeah, but I said to Scott, he used to be able to buy them for like I don't know, less than a tenner. Yeah, but now they go for like a hundred quid or something stupid if you get a Hercules or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, so I said to Scott, "What about this?" And he went, "No one's making them." And I went, "I know." <laughs> so we thought, well, the apron's a good place to start. Because we could make that on the sewing machines that we'd invested in. Yep. So, we thought we'd sell a few of those to a few rockabillies or people that are kind of into the 40s, 50s thing. Yeah. Um, and we made a few and we met a guy down the road who was doing a trade show in London. Right. And he said, okay, you can have a free space. His name's Anthony Wallace. Yeah. And so- Best of Britannia. His show is called Best of Britannia. He says, you've got a free space if you want it. You've got a week to get ready. It's on next weekend. So um, we packed up all the front room furniture because we obviously had no no display equipment. <laughs> yeah. Um, packed up a few of these aprons that we've knocked out um, and took them up to the show and had a hell of a lot of interest from big brands, big high street brands, um, you name it, they came round and went, oh, that's interesting. But we're still at the stage of being, like, literally a week old. Yeah. Um, and and we had calls from, like, Ace Hotel going, oh, we quite like your aprons in our coffee shop. And we were like, oh, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, what we didn't see the potential for was coffee shops using them. Yes. People weren't using them in 2012. No. People weren't wearing fancy aprons. Yeah. Um, so we managed to sort of nail that market um, Early on. for the first year, six months a year, because no one else was doing it. We were actually top of the Google search if you put in denim aprons at that point. Right. Um, that, um, which is mental, thinking about it now, because a fair few people do it now. It's yeah, fairly commonplace yeah. to see a denim apron in a coffee shop. But, yeah, yeah. But back then, 
we were the only ones and we managed to get enough money from that to buy the equipment to make jeans. Um, I say get the money, it was a bit of a nightmare sourcing the kits, just trying to get, you know, various different union special machines. Yeah, it's was, not easy, is it? And then to find something no, that's in good condition. They're not, a, they're not a bit of kit that's in the UK anymore. I mean, Kelly remembers the days when there was a, a denim industry in the UK when she first started back in uh 1999 i think there was still an industry she was still sourcing and yeah. buying from these factories but that's all gone yeah so that's almost 20 years ago uh okay so we're talking about 2012 yeah still sort of 14 15 years since the industry been here um yeah. and we wanted the proper equipment um we felt like if we were making something that was inspired by the garments that were made in the 1940s and 50s then we should be making them on 1940s and 50s sewing machines yeah yeah, yeah. so we, we managed to source a few things from around the world we dragged uh, a few people out of retirement yeah <laughs> they'd, they'd um we, we'd get them they'd turn up on the doorstep and they'd be absolutely knackered and it's a case of oh my god what do we do with this yeah um and obviously you can't go and get the parts of these things because there there's no such parts anymore. So yeah. we found a, a few old boys down the road with an engineering workshop and they um, they actually fabricated new parts, new components. Really? For, uh, for yeah. the machines because you can't just go and buy them. You can't source half the parts anymore. No. Um, so, yeah, they, they loved it because it was all in Imperial. Um and American sizing, so th these old boys loved it. They're in their element. They haven't used these tools in years to make it, you know, yeah. imperial sized parts. Um, so we've got a few machines up and running. Uh, I mean, even to this day, they're temperamental to say the least. I know. I, I can imagine, uh, like, you, you, you they, can expect they, to lose one a week. I won't, I won't oh, they, be surprised. They break down all the time, and they even ambient temperature, room temperature, can affect how they run. Yeah. Uh, if it's a cold day, they don't want to know. If it's too hot, it runs differently. Yeah. They're very mental, but this is what our customers are paying for. Yeah. They want the real made on the real machines. Yeah. Uh, and without that, we're, we're, we're nothing really. Yeah. Um, we're, we we're faking it. We don't have that. Yeah, and we don't profess to have a heritage. We're not... Um, you know, we're not one of these American brands that has been running for over 100 years. We're not that. And yeah. we've never... We've never pretended to be that. And in fact, even though our garments all take an inspiration from history, they're all still very contemporary pieces. Yeah. So that, that's what we do that's different to most other brands is we're not following that heritage kind of... We do everything, but everything has our own twist on it. And everything is designed function over fashion, um, you know... So, for example, the branding, if we talk about um, how we came up with the logo that we've got. So we went to um, Bewley um, Motoring Museum. We were walking around and there was this little 1911 British motorcycle called the Bat. Yeah. And there was this lever, which I'm told is called <laughs> something... I don't know the name of that lever. Anyway, it had a cheese head screw in it. Yeah. And I like the idea of the cheese head screw, like holding that lever onto that motorbike. Yeah. So the cheese head screw became our logo. Ah, mm. there you go. 
And is, it, is that the green motorbike as well? That's pictured. Huh? On, is that the green motorbike pictured on your Instagram? Oh, so that's, that's our. That's Kelly's Bantam. That's our ah, little sorry, see. Chicken chaser. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's the 1957 BSA Bantam, and that's where the colours from our branding come from. So everything has a. Everything has a story. Yeah. A point to it. With this. Yeah, there's a reason for pretty much everything we do. We don't yeah. just do it for the sake of it. Uh, I mean, we give away uh, a service book, a log book with all of our garments. That was going to be my question. <laughs> sorry, but back in 2012, people weren't genuinely giving away a free service on goods. I know it's more commonplace now, but, you know, if you bought it and you ripped it or whatever, that's it. You go and buy a new garment. You don't go back to the manufacturer and say, please, can you fix it? But our little, our durability guarantee, which is on our, our branding, was the fact that we give a free service. If something tears or breaks or whatever, you can send it back to us and we fix it for free. Yeah. And, um, you get a little service book with that and that came about with one day um i was up in my granddad's loft no my loft sorry my granddad's long gone but and i found his driving license from the 30s <laughs> right and uh it's this little booklet and it's brilliant it's uh you know it's a 1930s driving license and i thought wow that looks really cool you know yeah how can we kind of bring that into our branding this is before we you know when we're thinking about the whole business our whole business company our logo and all the branding yeah and that's how we came about bringing in our service book we kind of bought that in with the durability guarantee and that's what you get to this day do the people take advantage of that a lot yeah it's a service book basically like a car service on on any goods that we have and do you find people send garments back a lot for repairing and things like that not because i mean the old ones i don't mean like because the new and the broke i mean like you know people that's been wearing your jeans for years and yeah, I tell you what, we we got a lot of coffee shop aprons coming back yeah. because they are used all day, every day, and a few of the really popular coffee shops in Brighton, yeah, um, yeah, send them back. But beyond that, uh, I don't think no, we we haven't. No, I've had a couple, couple of uh, buttons, perhaps over the few over five years, but yeah, no. Beyond but that, not really. That's no. a good thing for you, for anybody that's listening to know that basically if they buy a product from Dawson Denim, they're going to get a service book. Yeah. Oh, we fixed the knee blowout. Um, yeah, that was off a carpenter because he's always on his knees wearing a <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So what would you say were the, uh, again, so people understand just what you have to put in to create a garment... What would you say are the biggest struggles about being a small denim company in the UK, trying to produce top quality denim? What are the main challenges that you face on a daily basis? On a daily basis, what the, things have changed as far as the sales point of sales goes with Instagram. Yes. That's been a changer for us. Uh, if we did this 10 years ago, we would solely be relying on wholesale. Yes. Uh, which financially it would be a struggle. Yes. Uh, but Instagram's a bit of a game changer in that respect. Um, but also, we don't have a marketing budget as, as such. We just rely on word of mouth. Yeah. So, you know, if we have thousands to chuck at 
I don't know, David Beckham wearing our jeans. Things would be different. But we we do it in a very sort of word of mouth way. Um, we've we've never we paid for one advert in a magazine. We never know the return on that. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever does. She was yeah. with a kiss, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we've we've never really paid. We've we've done a few trade shows, but beyond that, um, it's purely been word of mouth and social media, which is free. So basically, so, the struggles are getting the sales in, same as every well, other business. No, I mean, also we're such a small operation that we do every task, as you heard. Yeah. Um, and it's a juggling act. It really is a juggling act. We've now got a third person in who's got over 20 years' experience of sewing. Uh, she's got a couple of fashion degrees, and she's just dynamite. She's yeah. brilliant. She's such a good machinist. So she's helped out a great deal on production, on, yeah. on numbers, um, because as we obviously we get more popular month and month, it's a numbers game now and fulfilling orders. Yeah. Um, so she's, she's helped out a lot. Um, I think the biggest challenge in the UK is, Callum, is what you were saying before about knowledge. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think in Japan, what's, what's beautiful is that they really understand craftsmanship. Yep. They appreciate the fact that one garment may not look exactly the same as another because it's been hand, handmade by a maker. Yes. Whereas here in the UK, we're a bit behind on that. Yeah. And I th- it's really hard to explain to somebody why they should be spending £250 on a pair of our jeans as opposed to 50 quid at someone down the high street. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our biggest challenge here. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, Ben, whether you've noticed that with your customers with the shop maybe maybe not some of the ones that know what they're doing but no, all, all the time all the time yeah. we, uh... over the last five years even yeah guys are becoming aware of of what sour's jeans is that they, they want to know about their clothing now shoes boots you know they're, they're investing more time and money in in these things that word provenance provenance of goods so yeah. it's it's picked up a massive amount yeah uh, a huge, even in the last six years since we've been operating, yeah. people are way more aware now. It definitely feels like it's our responsibility to sort of educate people into that as well. Yeah, yeah. well, it um, is. It, uh, again, it comes back to, a, I suppose, it's all of us, isn't it? Team effort, everybody, we're yeah. all on the same page. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there'll always yeah. be Yeah, which is why we were saying challenge. before we don't wholesale to lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> Firstly, because, you know, we, we can't, do huge volumes at the moment because we don't have a huge investor who's going to help us employ like 50 people and double the size of our workshop but but also it's that thing about working with people that understand what your product is so that when your customer comes in they're buying the right product for them yes you know what i mean because the worst thing for us is having a customer come back and saying, oh, I was told that this product was going to change my life. And like, yeah. well, it's going to change your life, but it's going to last longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I completely agree. That is what it's like with our customer. It's really funny because me and Sean do the shopping. <laughs> Customers yeah. kind of just come in and look at us and go, 
well, I'm into it, I'm sold on idea, but I've got no idea where to start. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. right. And then you start right at the beginning. It's like, what are you thinking? How do <laughs> yeah. you like? What 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 yeah. do your other genes fit like? What do you like and don't like about that? And that's when you get to start, you start piecing it together for them. And then you yeah. send them off into changing room with a couple of options. And nine times out of 10, one of them is perfect and then that's yeah. it then they're converted which is I think I think you've done all my shopping for me to date Ben <laughs> personal stylist and shopper now <laughs> um, but I, I, I think there'll always be the, the challenge of you know the why do I spend 50 quid or do I spend 250 quid uh, but yeah. as you say I think people are switching on to onto the quality and the story behind it as well because people are waking up and they want that something a little bit different which is exactly what you said is like style yeah. not yeah. fashion which we always revert back to um yeah. but I, th I think it is it is a process and i think you buy into it step by step because you know it's not the cheapest game to get into uh, the style side no. over fashion and then there's got to be a gateway into it and then as you well, say once usually, you're in you're in edwin jeans at yeah. the moment for me for me, back in the day, it was going to American Classics and buying my first pair of 501s. Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing about our brand is I'm of a certain age. I'm coming up to 42, and I'm a guy who likes nice things. And there's a lot of guys my age or thereabouts that are either into records, they're into cars, motorbikes, yeah. scooters, <laughs> cameras, whatever it is, they've got their little thing that they're into. Yeah. And are fastidiously into it. They're obsessed with that thing. They know about it. Yeah, yeah and you're that's right. What we're happening. We're basically selling to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I get the, the vibe of when people come in. They're into things, um, and it's a very blokey thing. Yeah. You, don't buy things on the whim usually. Yeah. Um, there's a thought process, and once you get them in, that's it. They're into that thing, and they will just. It would be a considered purchase, but once they're into something, they're into it, and that's that. And once they get into clothes or whatever it is, where motorbikes, you know, it's a thing that they're into, and they like they mm -hmm. like it, chatting about it with their mates, or it's a very blokey thing. It and is. That, that, Speaking that's what I am. Scott. So. Just, he just mentions all these really expensive hobbies, right? Yeah. And he doesn't. <laughs> Or bloody one of them. I was just, just about to say. <laughs> I'm about to tell the stuff to fund the business, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's got I, I the would... 1960 Lambretta. He's got the posh cameras. He's got the violin. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a bit like me, but I'm working towards that. Uh, yeah. I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, Scott, on on uh, looking through the Instagram and the website, uh, there is a 50-50 split between the the scooters and the bikes. What, what what side of the fence do you sit on if you had to choose? Well, I mean, I, I was a, a mod, if you want to call it that, for donkey's years, um, yeah. from probably about the age of 15. Right, I see. Uh, right through to my 30s. So I did that, and I was, you know, I've had so many scooters over the years. But what came with that was buying into, um, getting my first pair of 501s donkey's years ago and things like that. And I knew about Selway through that and, just, just buying nice things and getting tailor-made shirts and suits, and I never bought things off the rack. And it, you kind of get an appreciation of stuff. But as far as the bikes and things go, I, I, I've done Goodwood uh, Revival every year for over over twelve years now. Cool. I get asked to take my scooter along, um, 
and I always hang out with the bikers there, and I have done for donkeys years. Yeah. Um, so I'm well aware of, of you know, the scene. You know the, the bikes as well. Oh, cool. um, I'm well aware of them. Shout out to the MFs, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, I love the MFs. I, I'm, I'm really aware of that. And it's, it, I've got to the age now where I'm not so narrow-minded. I'm more broad-minded. I just like good design. I think you get to a certain point where you just appreciate good design. Yeah. And you're, you're not swayed so much with subcultures, because that's how I got into all this, it's through subcultures when pre-internet days, you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's how me and Scott met, actually. We met DJing. Oh, right. So I okay. had a collection of like 1950s blues and R&B. Yeah. And Scott had a collection of wacky 60s psych and garage. Freak beat and garage. Freak beat. Yeah. yeah. So we DJed at the same event. So that's how we kind of met, really. And I was up in London and Scott was down here in Brighton. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so the the scooter and the motorbike thing just goes way back. I mean, my, my dad was a mad cyclist. He was one of the original ton-up boys back in the 50s up in North London. Yeah. And uh, nice so the heritage of actual bikes and music goes way back with me and Scott. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Back, back when the bikes and scooters were cheap, we were buying them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, my, uh, my, my first... Um, two-wheeled vehicle was a Vespa um, yeah. and then uh, I've now got a custom Triumph Bonneville but I'm also ah, I'm, I'm thinking about it's getting a new one or an old one? Uh, it's about it's about 15 years old uh, but it's, I bought it as a kind of standard off an old man and then it, it yeah. got went it went straight into a custom shop uh, called Down and Out Cafe Racers and then yeah. they literally just made it awesome <laughs> uh, but yeah. I'm thinking about getting a Lambretta for the summer uh, actually because yeah. I've never had a Lambretta um, but I'm thinking about getting fun. one. Yeah, they're good fun. They're yeah. good fun. I mean, I, I've had well, probably about three or four of them now. They've all been stolen over the period of time. Yeah. <laughs> I've had three or four uh, Vespers over 20, 20, 25 years. I mean, I was into cars as well, old cars. I've just sold my Citroen DS because um, yeah. that was rusting away quite nicely. But, <laughs> um, basically, anything old I was into. Um, anything that doesn't work, I like. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a labour of love. Yeah, and it's the same with our, our sewing machines. You know, it's like it's it's not new to me having a, a Union Special from 1957 that doesn't tend to work because my scooter's always been from the same period and they, uh, they're pretty temperamental as well. So I'm well used to this kind of thing. <laughs> cool, <laughs> cool. Um, and just jumping back to um, the denim side. Um, do you have kind of a set pattern on how many garments you try to produce each day? Um, is is there a limit to that? Is it is that something that you're trying to increase uh, be, due to you know the request for for more sales, or is it actually now we produce you know two, three, five, ten, yeah. fifteen per day, well, and that's how we work? I would say we probably make around fifteen pairs of jeans a week. Okay. Um. And if we're making jackets, probably 10. Mm-hmm. Um, aprons are quicker. Okay. We can make around, if we're at full pelt, we can make around 40 in a week. Okay. But, um, yeah, generally they're the kind of numbers that we're looking at. But we're also – so when we're doing a production run, 
we'll do set sizes, you know, two say twos, four say fours, so on and so forth. But at the same time, concurrently, we'll be running orders that we're getting through the website, which we may not have in stock. Yeah. So even though like 15 pairs of jeans, at the same time, I'm doing specific orders from the website, like the mm-hmm. Wabash jacket, for example, or, you know, things that we don't wholesale that... How long would it take you to make? You know, if you got an order in from the website and yeah. let's say you were taking Sunday off, so anything to do with your day-to-day, you're not doing. Uh, you're going to yeah. have a day off, but you get this order in and it's off somebody that you think, shit, I really need to make this pair of jeans on Sunday for them. If you went into a workshop, Kelly, at 9am, what yeah. time would that pair of jeans be done on that day? If you did nothing else, you just made that one pair of jeans for that guy. Yeah, about six. Six? So mm. it's a full day then? A full day on one pair of jeans, yeah. yeah. Wow. So and, you... But the truth is that I could make probably three pairs of jeans in the same amount of time that it takes me to make one. Yes, so because you'd be multitasking across. Because by the time yeah. I set each machine up to do each process, so there's around 70 different processes on one of our pairs of jeans. Yes, wow. of course. So, Because <laughs> we like to make life really difficult for ourselves. <laughs> um, so once we've set up each machine, it's actually quicker to run two or three through. And it's, you know... Um, yeah, more more time effective to make more than one. Yeah, I get that now. No, that's good to know that. Cool. If I was doing one pair of jeans from the morning to the to the afternoon, you have to think about the cutting periods as well. Yeah. It's going to take Scott, you know, a good hour and a half to cut them, and then I've got press them all, and everything's pressed by hand, and we don't have a twin needle machine which other people have, so everything is single single needle yeah. machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is cool, though, isn't cool. it? Cool, that's great. Yeah, it, it, it gives a different effect. Yeah. It, uh, when I went down to see John at Old Custom Clothing, and I sort of recorded him making a pair of jeans for the he didn't have any twin needling. And to be fair, I'd never even give it a thought. I'd heard people mention yeah. they don't use it, but, you know, you yeah. just said there's 70 processes. So if you're not actually yeah. a manufacturer, they're just a big mix in your head. You kind of know that they exist, but you don't really chronological chronological eyes is that even a word I know well, no, you don't no, sort no, of put them in an order do you get what I mean and then when I watched him and, I, and he says look I've not got a twin needle I do it like this and I was like ah mm-hmm. that's the difference yeah I, I got that yeah. so mm-hmm. and yeah, actually it's cool. make, make the garment better yeah yeah definitely if, for sure if you have machines that start cutting corners like yeah I mean, there are some phenomenal computer-aided machines now. I mean, yeah. I used to work with this factory in Turkey. Yeah. Um, and they had literally the state-of-the-art everything. And they had this machine which would literally tuck under the back pockets and really? sew the back pocket detail on in less than 15 seconds. It's crazy, isn't it? And on to the next one. It's and absolutely you, crazy. It is but it's also quite soulless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We, we name and number each garment. Yeah. Um, so everyone knows who's responsible um, for that, that item of clothing. You, yeah. You, you can email us and, talk and you're talking personally about uh, that pair of jeans, which yeah. doesn't really go on a lot with uh, 
Don't think you can bias the peg, really. I say, definitely don't. Can I ask a question? Um, Is there one garment that you guys manufacture that completely outsells the rest? That's changed a lot in the last six months. Okay. Uh, The wide leg jeans have picked up a lot. Okay. It used to be our regular fit jeans, which was the biggest seller. Yes. Um... The wide leg jeans have picked up an awful lot. Definitely. Uh, the aprons have slowed down because I guess there's so many other people making them now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I think people are coming to us specifically for the the wider cuts and things like that that they're not getting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's become a thing. But as I said, we were making that before. Whether it's a trend or not, it's besides the point. Yes. Yes. Um, we don't work to seasons, but that's yeah. I would say across the board. Um, what do you reckon, Kelly? Yeah, definitely the wide leg jeans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out oh. I think almost two to one on the on the yeah. regular. Yeah, and on. And, and we've just launched. Well, last October we launched a pair of jeans called the Wide Taper. Yeah. And um, they're sort of lower in the front rise and the back rise, and they're yeah. more tapered towards the hem. And they've they've really kicked in over the past sort of three or four weeks. Yeah, we did an open day on Saturday, and they were the biggest seller on the day. Brilliant. Uh, which is pleasing because it's a new it's a new style that we've just introduced, and I thought it would sell well yeah. because I like. Uh, yeah. Because I, I like them and I wanted them, so therefore we designed them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it sold. Uh, also, another big seller is the Wabash. Oh, the Wabash. Sack jacket, which yeah. pretty much everyone wants. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, nice, nice. Whenever we run out of that fabric, we sell out that fabric, everyone wants it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a big seller. Cool. Uh, can, I, can I ask yeah. a question on the, wide, on the wider cut jeans? Um, and probably one for Ben as well, um, yeah. because a lot of people who come into uh, the supply car, the Clever Camp supply car, um, they 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 think forward rather than just seeing the product at the point of sale and think how will this fade how will it age yeah because it is a wider leg does that mean that that fades less is it take a longer period of time yeah, you, you won't get the the honeycomb uh so much on the back of the leg yeah because it's looser Unless you've got massively fat legs. <laughs> muscly, muscly you're not legs. Feel that, leg, that trouser leg, if you see what I mean. So yeah, therefore, I you're not going to get those creases necessarily. You will get them on the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, the whiskers, you get whiskers. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get the whiskers on the legs, but you won't necessarily get the honeycomb on the back. Yeah. Um, they will fade in all the other areas, really, but you won't get the face you get with slim fit, skinny fit jeans, just no. because of, of how they fit on your mm-hmm. legs. Yeah, they don't crease quite the same. Yeah. Do they don't mix up like that because, there's, yeah, there's more give, there's more space. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is is that is the fading a consideration from your client base um, in, the, in the main? Because the reason why I ask that is when I look at your website and when I look at your Instagram as well, it's really... To me, it's really pristine and clean cut and really, really stylish. Um, is is the is the fades a big consideration at the point of sale for your customers because of generally the wider fits and kind it's of not a, com- Big consideration for the 
situation when we're selecting the denim. Yes, of course. So it's a big consideration then. Um, but we sell everything raw. And of course. We do have a few examples of like amazing fades. Great. But it's kind of, it's like a personal thing. We have, I would say, probably 70% of our customers want to keep their jeans as raw as possible. Mm-hmm. So they want they want them without the fades. They don't want to achieve the fades. Um, and then there's forty percent that are like, "What is this going to look like? You know, yeah. what 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 what's going to happen with these?" And what's interesting with the wide legs, even though they fade beautifully, yeah. like especially that um, red line salvage that we've got, is um, the shape that you end up with after a few days yeah it's really different to the shape that you have when you first put them on so when you first put them on they're really high yeah and they're dead straight all the way down to the floor yeah after about four or five days that drops right so the waist ends up sitting closer to the hip which makes them look a little bit more dropped in the crotch yeah and where you're sitting and you're bending your knees they stretch towards the knee area, which makes them end up looking um, kind of almost tapered because you have more stretch in the knee where you've been yeah. applying pressure. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. I think I think yeah. uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a credit to denim and the manufacturer though, because I think they look much better after a few days in. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, definitely. It definitely. gives them that personality, doesn't it? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we do the slim fits as well for people that do want those fades. Yeah. Um, I think I mean, I'm going to get some of them in. You know, I'm going to try some as well, along with the uh, standard and the wide leg. Yeah, I think it's. I, uh, think, I think it's interesting for you because then I have to say at the Supply Co, you've been um, amazing and open-minded about the fits that we've suggested to you yeah a a lot of companies just want to sell slim fits Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's nice to offer something that nobody else has got i see i don't really get that me i think that's somebody that's buying based on i don't know like i know you have to buy to sell stuff because that's the business that we're all in but at the same time I don't understand why somebody would come to a brand like yourself and look at everything that you do and all thought processes into creating these garments and then just mm. go, oh, I'll have your slim fit. Because I mean this respectfully, you can get slim fits off everybody. Yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? Like, I understand why That's you have to produce one as a manufacturer. Well. It makes sense, same as, I, you know, same as I'll get them in and I will sell them, but it, it don't make sense to me to offer Dawson Denim in such a limited... Capacity. Capacity, yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Which is why we sell so well in Japan, because the, the thought process is, I don't want to be looking like anyone else. And the, the, the shop buying mentality as well. Yeah. But the person is, they want to stand out. They don't want to be selling what the guy down the road or whoever sells. They yeah. want something different. And also the purchasing is, I want something different as well in Japan. Everyone wants to look different from their mates. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, generally people have more of a sheep mentality of mm-hmm. wanting to look like their mates. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a confidence thing. It's a confidence yeah. thing. And also, as you, you, you hit the nail on the head, why would I want to sell something that's different when I can sell with something that I know sells all day long? 
Yeah. Uh, that is still the kind of mentality of a lot of shops in, mm-hmm. in the UK. Is yeah. I'll stick with what I know. That's, yeah. that's what they think. But well, it's those that think outside the box, like yourself, that kind of took a risk and it's paying off because you can't get our jeans anywhere else in that fit in the UK that you've got. So um, Exactly. You know, We're the sole stockist, are we? Apart from your website, obviously. Pretty much, yeah. yeah actually, pretty much, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, that's so... Totally. You know, you, you've done yourself a favour there because you can't get it anywhere. Certainly not up north. And for someone to come all the way down to Brighton to try on our stuff is a hell of a hell of a schlep for yeah. for them. Yeah, so definitely. So um, we always turn to Instagram uh, for questions of people who are guests on the podcast. And there's been a question come in, guys, from Rugged Workwear, who's a avid supporter of <laughs> Clubbercam and all things denim across the world. Is a guy based over a blogger over in Georgia. And he has asked a question uh, to both of you, both of you guys, of what is your favourite non-Dawson jeans, shirt, jacket, and boots? And the same questions for your own product range as well. If that makes sense. <laughs> jeans, shirts, jackets, and boots. That yes, that, that are not Dawson. What? Can what? I? Can I be? I know this sounds weird, but. We don't follow a lot of other denim brands. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, we don't. We don't because we feel that um, we could be swayed, and we end up we end up doing a copy of, of you know, I get that. a variation of what some other brands doing. Yeah, it's I get that. Nightmare is being influenced by another denim brand. We, what we're influenced by is Japanese. Uh, how, what they're wearing in Japan, just generally on the street, yeah. and traditional workwear. So as far as new brands go, um, I'm digging what people like Oslo do. Good. Okay. Uh, Capital. Capital, more interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've got an awesome knickerbocker chore uh, jacket that's been embroidered by Brian. Knickerbocker MFG. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're fetching them in. We're one of the first awesome. shops to bring them into Europe for autumn winter collection. Good choice. We've got yeah. a, a really good week of AJ and Knickerbocker lined up for sort of August time. Yeah. Uh, podcasting and, you know, oh, all yeah. that sort of thing. Boys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. So we've got Oslo, Capital, Knickerbocker and... I reckon that covers clothing. What about boots? Shoes. Um, I've, been, I've been wearing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you, Brilliant. You guys, you guys should come up next weekend for the Trickers event at the Supply Co. I've invited yeah. them. But Kelly's having a baby. Oh, <laughs> boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. She's, uh, she'll be... Uh, when are you due, Kelly? First of May. First Congratulations. Of May, so literally... Top at the moment. Yeah, I can believe it. So that's <laughs> what's the. Uh, are we, do you know if it's a boy or a girl? It's a boy. It's hey. a boy. And yeah. have you? I'm not going to ask you, but have you decided on a name or not like that yet? I've asked. Um, I've asked Amy Leverton to make her next book, little denim dudes, as in baby denim dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't know whether 
whether she's fallen for that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to work team up on her. Definitely. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> well, my, my little boy's only four and a half months, so he could he could get a feature as well. Yeah. <laughs> we'll basically just do all work for her. We'll yeah. just <laughs> we'll just send her two hundred pages with the content. And stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Brilliant. Uh, well, all the uh, what's going to be the you know, obviously you're going to have a baby, so you're going to be very busy doing other things that aren't denim-related. Uh, what does the future hold for Dawson Denim? What's the plans in the next sort of two or three years? It's still much the same. I mean... Take um... a holiday, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there'll be more uh, Japan trips, hopefully. Um, just carry on expanding month to month like we have been. So um, yeah, that's it's it's month to month we're improving with output and sales, yeah. and just getting out there. Word of mouth is a slow process, uh, yeah. obviously because we don't have any budget for you know marketing, but yeah, it's working in our favour. Um, just hopefully a shop as well. A shop would be nice ah, uh, within would, the next year or so. Would you do that in Brighton? Uh, well, it would probably be a workshop with maybe a shop on it. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, ideally, a shop in the UK would be London, but then that would mean having to staff it and issues like that. We don't live in London, so... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, a shop would be the logical next step somewhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool, then. That's good. That's great. Yeah, it's been really interesting. Are we uh, tying up? Yeah, but as I think that we've we've got loads to go on there. Uh, absolutely. Um, unless there's anything you guys want to finally add or mention to anybody who's going to listen and download on iTunes next week. Uh, Ed will probably listen to this. Uh, yeah, big up, big up, Ed. Ed. Edward Wynn, He's in uh, Sheffield. Ah, he's, right. Yeah. One of the newbies that moved from Brighton. You see, he's got a couple. Of, has he got twins? Yes, yeah. that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know he Charlotte. is. Yeah. So he's head of the curve, you see. He's seen where the trend is for housing, and it's Sheffield now. That's nowadays. it. <laughs> and he's <laughs> gone. Brighton's out, you know, an old hat now. So, uh, yeah, he's moved up to Sheffield. Good also, stuff. the old um, Upshot Espresso you've got up there. and Yeah, yeah. Upshot, Steam Yard. Our, bu- our buddies, yeah, that's all good. Yeah, yeah. so, so the, uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, actually. I'm going to get you to see it live while it's recorded. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you to uh, definitely come up with, you know, obviously have your little boy, get settled down, and then yeah. maybe towards end of year, get you up to the supply co for one of those education nights. Oh, that'd education. Be amazing, yeah. I'd love to do that. We'll well, get, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, for definite. I mean, you're going to be mad, crazy, busy, batshit, apeshit, knocking your head from your ass for the next six months. But uh, who knows, after that, maybe I can uh, get you nailed down and we'll do a a private event on Friday night. That'd be cool. We love Sheffield. We um, we used to go to a mad club night called Pow Wow. (laughs) Pow Wow. Yeah. And it is awesome. You guys up there really know how to party. Yeah, a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah, we, so then uh, if you get a bit older, you start. I, I, def- I got in trouble last week when I went out with Ben. <laughs> I didn't know when to come home. I think it was about six in the morning I got home and we only went for a quiet pint on Friday after work. <laughs> that sounds like it. That yeah. sounds like it. 
Brilliant. Yeah, well, so. thanks for joining us. Uh, enjoy London. Uh, thank you for giving up your morning to us. Yeah, yeah. Much appreciated. Very much. Guys. I know we've had to move it around a little bit. You've been really understanding. Uh, so thank you very much. Ah, uh, no worries at all. And uh, well, you know, it's not really a goodbye because I'll probably just speak to you in a week about something else. Anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> and I, I, I'm actually heading down to Brighton, uh, not next week, the week after. So I'll try, I'll try and uh, give you guys a call okay, and pop yeah. in and grab some photographs for the blog and Instagram and things. Yeah, that'd be cool yeah. if you've got the time for him. Definitely, we'll make time. Yeah. Brilliant, awesome. We'll let you know about that then. Brilliant. Right then. Well, you guys have a lovely Easter weekend. Uh, the, the first Easter weekend without a baby. Next Easter, it'll be uh, all about the little boy. It will. Yeah. So, I'm still uh, eating all the chocolate. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You'll get away with that for a year, maybe two at the most. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the chocolate, the, the, the little boy will definitely know who's the chocolate is. Uh, yeah. So. Tips from me, Ben. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That's it then. Have a cool. cracking, have a cracking weekend. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you Thank soon. You. Brilliant. Thank Take you. care. See ya. Cheers. Bye. 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 So that was Kelly and Scott from Dawson Denim. Cool. Yeah, it was good. It were uh, really interesting uh, to hear how we do it in the UK. Yeah, that's good, and nice to know that that's still happening here. Yeah. Um, I don't know of any other denim brands in the uk there is some there is definitely um, some that we can speak to yeah uh, uh, but again i'm new you know still learning yeah uh, my first introduction as soon as i saw the aprons and the stuff in the store the first thing that comes to mind when well when everybody says like yeah 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 um it's kelly it's made in uk mm. that's the first thing that i hear from you carl sean yeah it's kind of the first comment on that brand which is which is cool um, so there's an instant intrigue. Yeah. Whether whether you like the style or not. Yeah, it's a bit like oh, who's Kelly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's yeah. obviously there's Kelly and Scott, but it uh, from the podcast you can hear that Kelly's been there and kind of done it all. You know, like she's she knows well. She knows, like we said, she knows the mills. She knows yeah, the yeah, people. Yeah. She's she's got certain contacts mm-hmm. uh, it's nice that the first thing that people say about the brand is yeah that's made in UK down in Brighton and it's it's these guys mm. uh, which is really 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 nice mm-hmm. um, I like that they stick to what they like as mm-hmm. well rather yeah. than trying to appeal to a more mass market for volume more commercial market yeah you mean. yeah definitely yeah yeah um, I'm intrigued about the widest fit styles. I have to say, I, it's out there. It's. I thought it were really interesting. It's a shame that it cut off with phone just as we were talking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Cheers, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry about that. It, in the edit, it might just sound a bit weird. Um, about about an hour, an hour and a bit in. <laughs> that was Sean that calling was just me. That was Sean phoning <laughs> Ben, and it just cut cut the lines completely. We're still new. We're still raw, but it is what it is. We're doing what we do. But. Uh, yeah, I really liked how they said that people in Japan are wearing the wide leg jeans slouchy, then just cropping, cropping bottom off and not bother turning up for salvage. So they're almost wearing like wearing it as a skate pant. Yeah, that's like a. I'm not there yet. No, it's <laughs> a. Uh, it's, a it's, it's a proper look. Yeah, but it's one of them looks that you see on somebody else and go, they look cool as fuck. 
I'd never look that good if I tried to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of them, isn't it? Like, yeah. if you saw some skateboarder pulling his tricks, yeah, I know wearing a pair of wide leg, you'd be like, fuck, he's cool. But I think that's beauty about this industry, though, um, and denim, um, is because there are all these different styles that nobody can say is better than the other. Yeah. It's completely subjective, and there's enough out there, a proper denim, mm-hmm. whether you want wide, whether you want skinny, yeah. whether you want it's fade in a certain way, whether mm-hmm. you want, you know, whatever that might be, there's there's something for every man, no mm. matter if you're yeah, no, a 16-year-old yeah. promising skater yeah. in Japan, mm-hmm. or a bloke who's 70 years old, mm-hmm. who's into his trickers, his heritage, his, you know, it's just well made if you're fat thin old young skinny skater businessman whatever there is everything for everybody which is which is something that I really like because jumping back to denim dudes um, and now dudettes is out yeah um, yeah yeah, um, you you can almost see the personalities and the people behind them just by pictures without even reading the words Um, and that's what I really like about it and I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here um but I, that's, I think, like, staying true to what what Dawson like comes through in the brand. Yeah, for definite. The, uh, the f- well, Scott basically said that they make what he likes. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did, yeah, which is, yeah, that's one way to go about it, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's obviously working. Yeah, yeah, um, for definite. I'm, there's probably a but lot... But he likes nice stuff, so that makes a difference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the stuff he likes is... If he got into Deodora tracksuits, I'm not sure what Kelly's opinion would be on that. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's just about to have a baby, as we know, so she'll not be yeah. in office quite as much, so who knows? They could bring out, yeah. like... Uh, you think there will be a Scott range, like, <laughs> yeah, while like Kelly's not looking? Like a sub-range. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but you no. never know. But we'll keep an eye out. I mean, it's um, it's a really awesome part of the country as well, mm. um, and there's a lot of stuff going on there. Where it's you very can creative and derive a lot of influence yeah. from, like that creative part. It's fun. A lot of people visit London, don't they, when they travel to England? Which they definitely should, because London's one of the most popular cities on earth. But you know, for sake of a 50 minute train to Brighton. Oh, it's, w- it's definitely worth it for a night I love it? it I love it I've, um, I've obviously got a lot of friends there um, from having an office down there uh, I've spent a fair bit of time down there and it's just just y- you have got everything mm-hmm. in that area um, so you know we've established um, that I'm kind of like I'm into my music and I like my tattoos uh, there's a big big tattoo convention down there there's a lot of awesome bands from, from down there um, one of my favourites down there is a band called Narwhals. Check them out. They're quite punky, heavy, crashy. Ah. Are they from Brighton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're an m- amazing band. Uh, Sean knows of them as well. Sean knows them. Um, I actually think one of my favourite bands, who I don't listen to anymore, but I was really, really into them ten yeah. years ago when we met each other, Glenn, mm-hmm. called Zico Chain. Yeah. They, they yeah, were, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, were yeah. Uh, they were Brighton-based. Mm. Uh, I don't, I, you know, first album or whatever, and a few EPs. Absolutely loved them. Uh, and they were Brighton based as well. Mm. So there's cool. a lot of stuff that comes out mm. of Brighton, which is mint. And obviously Dawson's another one of them, um, which obviously you know you're going to be seeing and hearing more about in the Supply Co. Um, online. Obviously listening to this podcast, and hopefully, hopefully we, you know, 
Mm. If you've not heard of them, great. Um, you've now got an opportunity to go and find out who they are. And if oh. you have, then you've started to get some personality of the brand as well. It. It's, it's really funny because I imagine that anybody that wears Dawson denim and is interested in buying it probably makes the effort to research them and get to like them and love them mm. first anyway. They mm. sort of they, they then want the, that sort of brand. You know yeah. what I mean? You kind of look at what they're doing and go, this is really interesting. I want to know a little bit more about it. And then that leads to a purchase. Yeah. And just on that, on the podcast is kind of like, the next step for us is kind of, I'd really like to take it to the next level in terms of getting live phone-ins and live questions. I know we like ask a lot of questions through Instagram, which is amazing. Yeah, but it'd be good to sort Why of not? somehow gear it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll gear this up and we'll actually get a live call coming in. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and then we can yeah, actually get... Yeah, we should get, definitely do we, that. We'll, we'll get that sorted. I mean, we know Craig from another awesome business, uh, local to us called Genius Division, um, who's now... Listen, uh, he helped us with a podcast uh, in terms of setting some technical stuff up. He's now a full-on... <laughs> he's, he's now been clobbered. <laughs> he's been absolutely clobbered. Uh, and he will know exactly how to do that sort of stuff. Above my head, probably definitely above yours as well. No offence. No, it's alright. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> you thick twat. <laughs> I'm really good with an iPhone eight though. Yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll do that, and I think this sort of conversation will absolutely lend itself to getting live questions in and actually going off on tangents with guests as well, which is amazing. Uh, we probably just need to buy a radio studio in the end and get someone to get the technical stuff yeah. going. But yeah, um, again. Uh, let's sum it up then uh, thanks for listen, listening uh, uh, really th- enjoyed this one yep. uh, it's been amazing thanks to Kelly and Scott enjoy London by the way yeah they were enjoy just, that they're heading down to London to see uh, some sort of film uh, festival it a film, or no, it of a film exhibition by oh, shit man everybody will have just heard it on podcast so yeah fine exactly exactly cool um, so Mint uh, Wes Anderson is that what it is yes there you go there you go yeah, so that's cool. Well, okay then. Well, Ben, um, put your snout in the microphone and cue the thank yous. Okay. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. I say this every week, but that's because we genuinely are thankful for listening, uh, for your listens. Uh, thanks to everybody that mentions it on social media and talks about it for us and helps us spread the word. Uh, we're literally just enjoying speaking to people, getting to find out about how the industry works and this sort of like untouched it's, it's almost like there's an untouched planet there that is I don't know handmade goods which sounds a bit it's weird made, yeah. it's sort of like quality made goods I don't really know what it is I'm I new mean, to it and I'm in I'm yeah. new to it and I'm in and there's got to be thousands of glands out there I can there's got to be there's got to be I can kind of see it like I can see people getting into it so all we've got to do is get them all flubbered up. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, but Mint, Mint Podcast again. Yeah, really good, mate, really good. But it's um, getting late, isn't it? So. Yeah. Uh, we'll call this one a day, and we shall see you on the flip side. And thanks again, guys. Cheers. Have a cracking weekend.